Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest, I was so fortunate and privileged to have Dr. Tom O'Brien on the show today. Uh, he's just written a new book, You Can Fix Your Brain. He's a chiropractor by trade, but he also wrote or put a, together a documentary on really, he called it betrayal, but it was really around the autoimmune diseases that we have there. So when we think about life and so many people that have dementia, Alzheimer's, or foggy brain, or suffering, Tom basically says, you know what, you can take the steps to be healthier. You know, who cares if you're living on purpose, if you're sick, if you're ill, if you can't concentrate. And what about those of us that are parents in autism, in um, illnesses with our kids, and just attention deficit, and on it goes. All of these brain-related conditions. So Dr. Tom's book, You Can Fix Your Brain, we go through it, we talk about his background, he even talks about his own toxicity and where he had, um, from his background, had some situations where he had to kind of detoxify. You know what, we're pushing against sort of traditional thinking and it's just transformational. Tom is just a delight to interview. So enjoy our show, You Can Fix Your Brain with Dr. Tom O'Brien wellness levels are suspect and I am so pleased to have somebody that I've actually watched for some time who is an expert in wellness but also has a brand new book you can fix your brain now I'm not talking about your spouse's brain where they're kind of like off a little bit we're just talking about how can I be sharp how can I get rid of that fog how can I have my memory back and I'd love to welcome Dr. Tom O'Brien to the show. Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be with you. I've been following you for a number of years, Dr. <laughs> Key, so it, it, it's a real honor. Thank you. Okay. Well, you just never know who's following you or stalking you out there. And so, you know, <laughs> so Tom, you're, you're, um, you're a doctor, you're a chiropractor by profession, which is really around this holistic medicine and, and those items. But before we get into your new book, and I know everybody that's listening here on SOS, you know, we want to have sharp brains. We want to avoid this whole thing of dementia where my father-in-law passed away from that last year. Is, uh, we'll get into those strategies in a minute. But just tell us your story, uh, Dr. Tom, is about, you know, where were you born and sort of your family growing up? Oh, okay. Uh, I was born in Detroit, born and raised, first 18 years, and uh, for the first eight years in Detroit, my parents' first home um, was right across the river from Henry Ford's Rouge River assembly line. And wow. so the first, first eight years of my life, riding my bicycle around the neighborhood and all that, um, uh, I was sucking lead and didn't know it because there, there was no uh, or very little emission controls back in the early 50s and the mid-50s uh, in Detroit or anywhere as far as I know. And uh, it didn't manifest until 44 years later. I'm 44 wow. years old, 
in, in practice, a wonderful life, very happy. I'm doing triathlons regularly and scoring in the top 10% of the 30 to 35-year-olds. You know, so I'm walking tall with my chest up thinking I'm a hunk. You know, I'm in of good course. shape. Of course. <laughs> turns out I've got a cataract. And what? A cataract. Uh, a cataract. Uh, that's for old people. And, uh, and it's only in one eye. And I, and I talked to three ophthalmologists as to where does this come from? And all three of them said, well, it just happens. And I knew better than that. So I started doing research, and I found that a couple of articles that lead toxicity might cause uh, cataracts. That might be the manifestation of too much lead in your body. And I said, well, I don't have that. I don't have to worry about that. And then this little voice said, well, maybe you better check. And I had done hundreds and hundreds of heavy metal tests on people and patients over the years by then. And uh, it turned out I had the highest level of lead of anyone that I had ever checked, ever. Wow. Holy cow. Where'd that go? And then that, I said, oh, it was, it was back on Luther Street. Oh, my. And I had been riding my bike around the neighborhood, playing in the backyard, swinging on the swings, you know, all the things that young kids do. And there was just lead in the air. And mm -hmm. it had sat in my body for over 40 years and mm -hmm. finally manifested as a cataract. And so I detoxed and got all that lead out of there. And unfortunately, with a cataract, you have to, as far as I know, you have to have the surgery, take the um, uh, calcified lens out and, and, and put a lens in. But uh, that was, you know, my, my introduction, I guess, to healthcare uh, uh, was when I was one, two years old, you know, sucking lead and didn't know it. And mm. looking back now, I was an, a dyslexic kid uh, with, uh, I'd certainly be categorized as attention deficit, and I would have been put on Ritalin by today's standards. And now I understand so much more of where some of that neurological disorganization was coming mm. from. It was coming from lead toxicity that I'm sure was also in my brain, not just in the lens of my eye, but all my brain, my bones, the places where heavy metals get stored. Mm. And, well, let's just, uh, I just want to back up for a bit, Tom, so I don't miss it. Is you're now 44. Now, when you were a teenager, what drove you to move towards this uh, chiropractic space? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, uh, I had found, uh, I did my undergrad work at the University of Michigan and living in Ann Arbor, and I had found Aikido at that time, a Japanese martial art that's referred to as moving Zen. And it's a beautiful martial art. There is no offense. There's no punching, no kicking, nothing like that. It's only defense. And I really did a deep dive into Aikido and actually moved to Japan after graduating with my undergraduate degree and lived in the world headquarters for Aikido and planned on making a life out of it. And eventually I found my future partner and proposed and knew that I was going to have to find um, a, a real job because I wasn't going to depend on the number of students that came into my school, my Aikido school, in order to be able to pay tuition for my kids. You know, I was a mm. responsible guy. My dad had modeled working hard in life and, you know, supporting your family. And so I called the three uh, most prominent Asian studies departments in, uh, in universities in the United States. 
uh, the top three. And I asked for the dean of uh, uh, admissions, and I said, what's the likelihood if I get a double master's degree in physical education and Asian studies that someday I would be able to uh, achieve tenure uh, 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 in teaching uh, Japanese martial arts and the way of the samurai, which is a whole philosophy that's beautiful. And all three of them said zero. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's kind so of much for that path, the bubble. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then the very next thing was, oh, a couple of months before that, my future wife, my girlfriend at the time, She'd been in a very bad car accident when she was 12, and, and uh, there were uh, uh, mortality from the accident, and she was banged up pretty good. And Every year, she would be in the hospital at least once a year uh, in traction for her back. And this mm. happened while we were in Ann Arbor, and she's my girlfriend. We called the orthopedic surgeon, and, she said, and the nurse said, doctor's no longer taking backs. Uh, he's taking elbows and knees. And I was left with, well, what do I do? And, my friend said, well, I took my wife to a chiropractor for her back, and he fixed her right up. And I said, what's a chiropractor? I, didn't, I had no idea. Wow. So I called this guy. I called this uh, Dr. Harold Swanson, and he said, bring her right in. And this was a healer extraordinaire. This guy was 74 at the time and just spoke softly all the time and worked on her. And, and uh, uh, afterwards, um, I said, she'll be okay. And he said, well, might take a day, might take two. You bring her back tomorrow, Tom, and we'll see how she's doing. And I had to carry my future wife into the office, and she walked out, uh, walking without pain, a little sore, but no pain. And so that really caught my attention. And he said to me, you come back, Tom, and you watch. You know, and I had hair down to my waist at the time and a full beard, you know, living in Ann Arbor in the late 60s, early 70s, was, uh, it was a different era. And uh, uh, so I came back. I said, oh, okay, Dr. Swanson. So I'd come back, and I'd just sit there, and a patient would come in, and they'd say, hi, Dr. Swanson. And they'd see me, and he'd say, this is Tom. He's going to watch. And they'd say, okay. And, so, and then he would treat a woman with asthma and have her lying on her stomach, and he'd say, Tom? put your hands here. And he put my hands on her back and kind of put them in a, a specific area and say, now, do you feel this area here? What do you feel? And I say, well, this side feels like more tight than the other side. And he says, that's right. Now, that's where the nerves come out that go to the lungs. And we're going to see if we can help her lungs function better. Then he'd make an adjustment and the person would get up and many times say, oh, I feel better right away, Dr. Swanson. I can take a deeper breath, you know, as an example. And what he wow. explained to me was that chiropractic was really just like Aikido. The, the philosophy of Aikido is if there's nothing coming at you, there's nothing to do. But if something is coming at you, some energy is coming at you, you just want to redirect that energy and so that it doesn't harm you. Mm. And, I, and, and chiropractic is very much the same way. You want to redirect if there is some interference in the nerve flow you just want to remove the interference and let the body heal itself. So that really caught my attention. And I mm -hmm. thought, I could do this. I could you know, abide by these principles. I could find passion in helping people with this. And so I enrolled in chiropractic school in Chicago. My first week, 
my very first week in chiropractic school, I saw a sign that there was going to be a guest speaker on the weekend, Dr. Sheldon Deal, Mr. Arizona. And so I said, all right, I'll go listen to this guy. Oh, he's a bodybuilder. He's got to be a healthy guy. And he was built like a bodybuilder. And uh, back then, 1978, color televisions had just come out recently. We're dating ourselves, Dr. Tom. I know. We're dating ourselves. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But he had turned on the color television in the room, and it, of course, caught our attention, all the beautiful colors. But he turned the volume down, so it was just the screen. Then he walked over to the desk, and he opened his briefcase. He took out a bar magnet the size of an iPhone 10. And he held it up, and he walked over towards the television, and the picture turned upside down. And he walked away, and the picture went right side up. And he walked towards it, and the picture went upside down. And he walked away, and the picture went right side up. And he said, that's what electromagnetic energy does to your brain and your nervous system. It throws you out of balance. And at that point, they were talking about batteries in watches and having batteries on your skin and the potential problem called neurological switching where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your brain's not functioning properly. And of course now we know about electromagnetic frequencies and in my book, You Can Fix Your Brain, we talk a lot about EMFs and how they may be the trigger to mm. any health problem you have. They may be the trigger. But that, that was my first week in school as I'm learning mm. genetics and biochemistry and organic chemistry and anatomy, working on cadavers. This doctor opened my mind that there's an entire another world out there besides what most people were studying. And my entire education was based on looking to see what might impact the body in a way that suppresses its natural function. Of course, the mechanical care of chiropractic is very valuable, and uh, sometimes that's exactly what's needed, sometimes not. And uh, electromagnetics, understanding that is extremely valuable. Sometimes that's what's needed, sometimes not. Biochemistry that we all know about, diet, nutrition, pharmaceuticals, water, air, Sometimes that's a trigger that needs to be identified, sometimes not. And the fourth component that we have to look at for our health is the emotional or the spiritual and how we hold ourselves and how we see life. And that's your world, Dr. Keyes. You know, we talk Mm -hmm. about stinking thinking and how Mm -hmm. it can cause diabetes. It can cause depression. It can cause anxiety. That may be the trigger that causes any health problem. Well, the whole, the, whole field of, the whole field of epigenetics, which most people didn't even talk about, you know, 10 years yes. ago. Yes, yes, exactly. What's going on around the genes? Mrs. Patient, we know that the genes are likely the trigger for maybe 30% of the diseases we get. That's what the research suggests. But 70% is what's happening around the genes called epigenetics. You know, if you pull at a chain, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end, the middle, the other end. It's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys, wherever your genetic weak link is. If you pull too hard on the chain, that's where it's going to break. And that pull on the chain is what we call inflammation. So if you have triggers in your life that are causing inflammation, whether, whether it's holding a cell phone to your head and you're causing inflammation in your brain, or it's the food you're eating, or it's the air you're breathing, or it's the relationships that you've got, if they're triggering inflammation, wherever your genetic weak link is, that's where the chain's going to break. 
So for one person, it's going to be cognitive decline and eventual brain degeneration. For the next person, mm-hmm. it's going to be recurrent bladder infections. For the next person, it's going to be rheumatoid arthritis. So when people get this big picture of, of, of where our dis-ease comes from, then they start asking different questions of how do I address my dis-ease, whether it's recurrent miscarriages or rheumatoid arthritis or multiple sclerosis or anxiety and you're on meds for anxiety or schizophrenia. You start asking different questions when you understand the bigger picture. Mm. You know, you say so many things. Uh, Our 45 minutes in the show is not going to be near enough. That's why you've had (laughs) documentaries that are many hours long, right, Dr. Tom? Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, we don't have time anymore, Dr. Ken, to fool around that our society uh, uh, is dying off. And, you know, people just don't know this. And the studies seem to be buried. You know, they're not front page news because people don't want to hear this. But the World Wildlife Fund published a study that between 1970 and 19. And in 1970 and 2011, 41 years, there's been an average of 58% reduction of all populations on the planet that have a spine. That's all insects and birds and fish and mammals. Uh, for the birds, it was 35%. For the mammals living near fresh water, it's 78%. 78% of the beavers are gone. The porcupines, they're gone. In 41 years, they're gone. Why? They're drinking the water. And if you were drinking the water coming out of the streams by your home or the rivers, you'd get cancer quicker. You'd be unable to reproduce, just like the animals. One more study. They did a meta-analysis, and that looks at a number of studies on one subject. And in this meta-analysis, it was 186 studies, and the the topic was sperm count in healthy men. Mm -hmm. And there has been, in 1974, to 2011. So in 37 years, there has been a 59% reduction in sperm count across the board for men. Now, that doesn't mean anything to anyone until you understand that scientists worry about extinction of a species at 72%. And we've lost 59% in 37 years. What do you think is going to happen in the next 20 years? Right? Um, It's not going to get better, which means extinction of a species. And these are hardcore studies that are showing this. Now, where's all this coming from? That's the last point, and then we can go into whatever you like, but where's all this coming from? The Journal of Pediatrics published a a policy statement report, which is, hey, guys, hey, docs, wake up, wake up, and that there there is 250 pounds of toxic chemicals per person per day being dumped in the United States. 250 you, did, pounds per person per day. Did you say day. per day? Did you per, say day. per day. Per day. That's So why equal to day. my body weight and then some every day. <laughs> every single day for every person in the U.S. And I mean, it's hard to fathom this, but that's why the studies show when you check the blood of newborns at birth, the placental blood, has on average 180 toxic chemicals in the bloodstream of these newborns that are not supposed to be there. And many of them are neurotoxins, these chemicals. They, they affect brain development and brain growth. 
And then you look at the studies that say autism is skyrocketing in our country today. Skyrocketing. Right now, the CDC says it's one out of 36 children. I came out in practice, it was one out of every over 10,000. Now it's one out of every 36. And Stephanie Seneff, uh, uh, PhD biostatistician at MIT, uh, who studies this in detail, she says if the trend continues just the way it is, not get worse, but just continues the way it is, it'll be one child in two by 2026. One well, child in only, two that's on not very autism. Far. That's not very far away. You know, that these numbers are just skyrocketing because all of the toxic chemicals we're exposed to. And I tie this all together in how it's affecting the brain. And I chose the brain because the brain scares everybody. I mean, mm. everyone knows someone that had a heart attack and survived and they changed their diet, started exercising, and now they're doing great, better than ever. Most of us know someone diagnosed with cancer that followed the recommended protocols, put it in remission, and they're doing good. No one knows anyone diagnosed with a brain deterioration disease that's doing good. Mm -hmm. That it terrifies us and we feel helpless. But this is why when, when you read You Can Fix Your Brain, you understand it's the toxic environment that we are born and raised in that we take for granted that's really taking us down. And now, let, I'm just going to back you up, Tom, for a second. I'll get political for a moment. What, uh, what do you think is the main reason that they're, I mean, chiropractors were thrown on the bus for years, you know, wasn't seen as a legit thing. I've been going to a chiropractor for 35 years, so I get it. I understand they've been a relief to me. I had an incident on the dairy farm when I was growing up where I injured my back, and they saved me so I could actually walk. So the point being is, and I think there's more awareness now than ever, all the work that you're doing, your colleagues, the many sort of people that surround you, which are doing an amazing job. Why is there still denial, you think, in our society or not an acceptance of just the situation that we're in? Oh, uh, in terms of the amount of toxic chemicals in the well, air? Well, chemicals and just our whole lifestyle where, you know, 50% are diabetic or pre-diabetic on the way to oh, 70%. You bet. Oh, all these things. That's a really foods. good question. That's a really good question. And uh, that's, a, that's an excellent discussion. Uh, and I've had this a few times, uh, and it always gets more elaborated upon. Uh, uh, I call it Midwest mediocrity. You know, that uh, I was born in Detroit, spent 30 years in Chicago, and moved to California for the last eight years. But there is this sense of, I don't want to push any limits. I just want to be comfortable. I want to make sure me and my family are taken care of okay. I just want to be comfortable. Don't tell me, don't rock my boat, that there is so much that we avoid. But when you read the studies, I mean, it's, you, you just can't ignore. You can't use plastic wrap on your food. The phthalates, the chemicals in the plastic wrap leach into the food. You can't use plastic containers to store the leftover chicken from dinner until tomorrow. The phthalates in the plastic containers leach into the food. And the counterpoint by the industry is there's no evidence that that amount of leakage into the food has an effect on the body. No, there's not. And you're absolutely right. But this is accumulative. It took mm. me 40 years to realize how much, uh, how lead was affecting me mm. as I accumulated more toxins in my body just living life. You know, it's the cumulative effect of the flame retardant chemicals 
in your sleeping equipment, the sheets and the blankets you use, and the formaldehyde in the press board cabinets in your kitchen cabinets, if they're not solid wood, they're press board and they're soaked in formaldehyde, and that stuff leaches out into the air. It's the carpeting and the PCBs and the carpeting that leach out into the air. It's called outgassing, just a little bit, and there's no evidence that the outgassing of any carpet is enough to harm you in any way. But this stuff accumulates in your body. And I'll, I'll give you one example of the cumulative, the threshold effect. It was uh, one of the uh, uh, North, Northern European countries, either Norway or uh, Finland, I'm not sure, I don't recall, uh, but the government commissioned a study to look at should we recommend women not breastfeed in a first pregnancy? And this is like, what? And exactly. this was supposed to be a six-month six study. It went for three years because there was so much evidence and so, so many opinions coming out. And the end result was, no, no, it's better to breastfeed than not. And I agree with that. But here's the problem. People in the Finnish countries, they eat a lot of fish. The fish come from the fjords uh, along the border of the country, which are long and narrow and deep. The farmers have been using PCBs and DDT and pesticides and insecticides for 40 years. And the rain, run, the rain runoff washes these chemicals uh, down into the fjords. The fish are full of PCBs. But there's no evidence that eating a fish with this amount of measured PCB in its meat is going to cause a problem in humans. There's no evidence, and I agree. But if you accumulate this stuff, they're called endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and mm -hmm. they accumulate in the hormone, the endocrine-loving cells, like the breasts and the uterus and the testicles, loss of sperm count, and they accumulate over the years, over the year, more, 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 minuscule amounts, minuscule amounts, minuscule amounts. So now you have a 25, 28-year-old woman. She gets married, really happy. They get pregnant. They're very joyous. They're celebrating a healthy pregnancy. Now she's about to deliver, and the brain says, okay, mammary cells, let's make some milk now. Let's start lactation going because you've got to feed this baby. And the woman has a healthy delivery. And now here comes the breast milk. And the first five day, three to five days of breast milk, it's not milk, it's colostrum, which is right. critically important for baby's, baby's immune system and baby's gut. And, but the colostrum, the milk is made, the raw material is the fat cells of the breast. That's why women have breasts, is uh, developed breasts, is because the fat cells produce the milk that, uh, uh, it's the raw material that the milk is produced from. But these fat cells are full of these endocrine-disrupting chemicals that have been accumulating for 25 years. So mom's breast milk is loaded with these toxic PCBs that are neurodegenerative to a baby's brain. And they mm. inhibit the growth of baby. And you, you read the studies on this, and you see it very clear. That's why this was a three-year commission report. And so the, the end result was it's more important to breastfeed than not. And that's why it's only the first pregnancy because mom has naturally detoxed her, detoxed her breast of all this toxic crud. And so second mm. pregnancy is fine, third pregnancy is fine. So I agree with the commission's findings. It's more important to breastfeed. However, every woman of childbearing age needs to focus on detoxing her breast before she gets pregnant so that she can guarantee her baby's brain is going to have the best chance possible 
to not be one of these statistics of autistic kids, mm-hmm. which is happening now. So it's mm-hmm. the preventive care, and that's all in the book about what affects brain development, brain growth, and the studies are there on toxic breasts. And you know, you, you read this and you go, oh my God, I had no idea. Well, this just makes sense. Tom, so I, I'd like you to be slightly more passionate about the subject. so i'm just going to stop you for a second for listeners is you know what tom is talking about is the importance of taking responsibility for our wellness levels you know the sin of omission does not it applies here and uh just short story tom and then we'll come back to some real specifics that are in the book so that i can kind of purge myself but i went recently to my naturopathic a new naturopathic doctor and so we were doing some of these toxic load tests and this is just a few years ago, and we discovered that I was loaded with chlorine. Yes. Well, I said, exactly. well, I haven't, been around, I haven't been around chlorine. What are you talking about? Well, yes, I was. 30 years ago, I had my own dairy farm. We used high concentrations of chlorine for um, sanitizing the dairy systems, and guess where it stood? It hung out on my fat cells, and so it was still there 30 years later affecting me. Yes. And so everybody listening, it's there. It's chlorine the inhibits thyroid function. So all those women that have cold hands and feet, they wear socks to bed, they can't get up in the morning, they hit the snooze three, four times, they right. can't lose that last 10, 15 pounds, no matter what they do. Often that's a sluggish thyroid, and chlorine inhibits thyroid function. Hmm. Well, thank you for that. I mean, it's interesting when we think about, you know, what's caused all this. It doesn't matter what we can do for listeners in, the, in our last sort of uh, 15 minutes that we have. Tom says, okay, here are the things that you can take action on. The conspiracy theory. I used to actually sell Roundup on behalf of Monsanto in the 80s. And they told oh, me wow. that it was biodegradable and that it would broke down. Of course, we found out that that's not true, right? So uh, Roundup is now the number one chemical that's uh, applied globally or used. Now, of course, this accumulation of plastics, what's that doing to the wildlife? And, you know, we've watched all the documentaries and we get it. We understand that on how to try to own our space. So in your book, you know, you can fix your brain. And by the way, everybody that's listening, you can go to The Doctor, which is the, T-H-E-D-R.com. And you can find out about Tom's book and make sure you order it and get it. So, Tom, what are some of the things that the listeners can do today, this very moment, to kind of own the space? You know, we went through the decline of my stepfather-in-law, and he passed away, basically dementia. He, he couldn't, it, you, you lose your balance because that's part of what comes with this. He fell, he broke his hip, he, was, he passed away a month later. So, but he had already mentally declined to a point where he really didn't even know who we were for the last year. So let's just go through, you know, um, what are some of the things that we can own as individuals, parents, uh, baby boomers to be able to optimize our health and, and really be sharper around our brain? Really great question. Thank you. And the first step is to change the paradigm that you live by. Paradigm shifts are all or nothing. And I'll give you an example. There was a guy, 1984, uh, a microbiologist started in Australia, started publishing, saying, you know, I think ulcers sometimes can be caused by bacteria. Mm. And everyone thought he was a nutcase. Uh, right. Of course we know ulcers are from too much acid, and you have to take the antacids to prevent the ulcers. And they just gave him a really hard time. He was ostracized. So what did this guy do? 
He did an endoscopy where he put a tube down his throat and took pictures of his healthy stomach. Then he drank a beaker of Heliobacter pylori, the bacteria. He drank a beaker of it, and he waited a month until he was just feeling so sick and his stomach hurt all the time. Did another endoscopy, took pictures of his ulcerated stomach. Then he took the antibiotics to kill the bacteria, waited another month and took did an endoscopy, took a picture of his healthy pink tissued stomach again, and then he published it. And then everybody knew he was a nutcase, <laughs> for sure. But he proved that sometimes a heliobacter infection called H. pylori is the trigger for uh, ulcers. Well, 21 years later, the guy wins the Nobel Prize in medicine for mm. this. And the committee said, who with tenacity and a prepared mind challenged prevailing dogma. That, that was the quote in mm. the award of the Nobel Prize. And all of us need tenacity and prepare our mind to change the paradigm that we live by. You can't take a little more vitamin C and you can't have a little better form of coenzyme Q10 and expect that you're going to stop this downward trend. We have to change the paradigm that we think by in order to do this. And I'll give you some examples, of course. You yes, know, for sir. example, you, you, you talk about glyphosate. That's a main ingredient in Roundup that so many people have in their garage. Now, mm -hmm. you walk home from work. Your neighbor sprayed the sidewalk with Roundup to kill the dandelions. Now you've got Roundup on your shoes. You walk in the house. You walk out on the carpeting. Yeah, now there's Roundup on the carpeting. Your two-year-old or your eight-month-old uh, is crawling around on the carpet, or your 14-year-old daughter is doing her homework on the floor on the carpet in the living room. Now she's got Roundup on her arms and just goes right through the skin into the bloodstream. That's why you leave your shoes at the door. You leave mm. the toxic world outside. Here's another one. You're pumping gas. And, you know, everybody needs to fill their tank. And you're pumping right. gas. Do you, do you sometimes smell the gas? Of course, yes. Yeah, of course. Sometimes we do. You're smelling benzene. Benzene is a potent neurotoxin that damages your brain, causes inflammation in the brain right away, and causes cancers. Well, I have to pump gas. Well, if you're standing there smelling it, you're standing downwind. Walk around to the other side of the hose. Now you're standing upwind, and you don't smell it anymore. It just requires a paradigm shift in how we think when we notice we're being exposed to something, and usually you can't tell, but when you can tell you're being exposed to something, okay, how do I prevent this exposure? Oh, and Tom, I, I, sorry to interrupt before I forget. I want you to talk about dentistry and what everybody gets at the end of their cleaning session. What do oh they put goodness. in your mouth? Yes, yes. Well, uh, well, one thing I talk about in the book with dentistry, why do the dentists give you antibiotics uh, when, when you go to the dentist? They give you antibiotics because when they're working in your mouth and they squirt the water and rinse your mouth out and you lean over, spit it out into the porcelain bowl, you've got pink water or red water, you've got some blood. It's because they've just caused leaky gums. If you've heard of leaky gut, they've just caused leaky mm. gums. And our saliva and our oral cavity, our mouth, has thousands of different types of bacteria, and some of them are really not good at all and should not get into the bloodstream. But when you have um, leaky gums, because the dentist did this work, it's going to take two or three days for that, the gums to seal again. 
during that time, bacteria from your mouth can go right through into your bloodstream. If your immune system trying to protect you says, whoa, look at this, there's, there's a strep, streptococcus in the bloodstream, I better fight this. And if your immune system then makes antibodies to streptococcus, which is one of strep infections, one of the types of bacteria that's in our mouth all the time, if your immune system makes antibodies to that, those antibodies may begin attacking your own tissue that look a lot like streptococcus. That tissue is the valves of your heart, and you get rheumatic fever, and it can be fatal. That's mm. why, and that's the only reason why dentists give you antibiotics is because they've created leaky gums in the work that they're doing. And this whole thing about bacteria getting into your bloodstream and then your immune system trying to fight it attacks your tissue. In this example, it's your heart. But in the book, we talk about a lot of those that where the bacteria trying to, the immune system trying to protect you, attacking bacteria, goes after your brain. What about the use of, uh, what about the use of fluoride? Oh, of course, of course. It's a neurotoxin, right? It's a potent neurotoxin. It's one of the, it's one of the three chemicals chlorine, fluoride, and bromide that bind onto thyroid receptor sites. So all of these people, these thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are not eating bad food and just can't lose the weight, especially in their hips and in their thighs, they can't lose the weight. And it's because a lot of these toxic chemicals are stored in those fat cells. The body's trying to get rid of this stuff, get it out of the bloodstream. So fluoride is a neurotoxin that triggers inflammation in your brain right away and your body tries to get this stuff out of circulation, so it goes into storage. So well, last time, we the last to... time I was at my dentist, uh, Tom, the um, hygienist was so I'm going to do your fluoride treatment now. I says, no, you're not. So why not? Hey, no, you're not. So she started to no, argue not. with me. And I said, no, no, right. you're not. <laughs> right, right. They say, well, it's our policy. And I say, well, policies are meant to be broken sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to happen here. Sorry to get you off track, but I really wanted to bring up this whole thing about fluoride. And, you know, it's not in the water in Canada as much, but in the U.S. it is a lot of places. And so same thing with chlorine. And that's why we have a whole house uh, water filter for our water in in our location. Very smart. Very smart to do. And you you can read a lot about fluoride and summaries of the studies on fluoride at uh, Dr. Mercola's site, mercola.com and just type in fluoride, and he's, he's done the work, lots of summaries there about the dangers of fluoride. And when mm-hmm. parents read this and how it can cause attention deficit in your children and how it can trigger seizures in vulnerable children, if that's the weak link in their chain, then you say, wow, but what's the benefit? Well, there really is no benefit to fluoride. It's a chemical byproduct. When you read this, uh, the information about where this stuff came from and how it's used and how many studies say it's a problem, then you're motivated to get a water filtration system in your house. Mm, mm, absolutely. So sorry, I took you off track. So let's go back Not into, we have just Not a few all. minutes left of uh, strategies to really, you know, cleanse my brain yeah. and, and get it sharp. It, well, you know, and thanks, Ken. In, in, the most important strategy, and I, I don't think I've said it before this way, but the most important strategy is a paradigm shift. Not just dipping your toe in the water that expose yourself to enough information that you realize it's non-negotiable. You want to save your baby's brain. You want to save your children's vitality. You want to protect your own health and protect your brain. We need a paradigm shift. You cannot use 
the things in the kitchen that we take for granted that are okay to use. You can't use uh, Teflon-coated pans you can, because this stuff leaks. You can't use rubber or plastic spatulas in, in your frying pan because this stuff leaks. It leaches, and this stuff accumulates. Well, there's no evidence that the amount of leaching from a spatula is ever going to cause a problem for humans. You're absolutely right, but it's the accumulative effect of all of this that we're exposed to. Every child that they check, every child in Mexico City has evidence of brain inflammation and the mechanisms that eventually lead to Alzheimer's. Every child, because the air pollution is so bad, and we now know of the three different types of Alzheimer's, the most common type you see in practice, 60 to 65% of Alzheimer's cases are called inhalation Alzheimer's. It's what you're breathing that mm. goes right through your nose, straight up to your brain. Now, now this is really interesting. The, the, the nerves of scent in your nose that carry the message back up to your brain, they go right on top of the memory center nerves. And why is that? Well, if you look at our ancestors, when our ancestors are walking down the trail, and if they smell saber-toothed tiger, they better turn around real quick. So they had to have an immediate recognition system. If a scent comes in, you recognize it right away. So there is no, no blockages between scent and memory. It goes right to the memory centers. So there is a scent test that I've put together, 12 different smells, and it's a scratch and sniff. When you do this scratch and sniff on 12 different smells, and it has a 97% correlation with the equipment in research centers that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, this is like a, a lottery card, just scratch it. So you scratch and sniff, and if you get nine or less correct, so you get three or more wrong, you've got a lack of smell. It's called hyposmia, and this is the best predictor of five-year mortality, higher risk of five-year mortality in people over 70. Wow. And people younger, and people younger than that, it's, it's a direct indicator of nerve degeneration that's going on right now. You've got fire in the brain. So it's a simple test. It's at thedoctor.com on the website. It's a simple test that you can do to see, do I have inflammation in my brain right now? So if this marker comes back and says you've got inflammation, they say, oh my God, what do I do? And I, and I give you the research articles there that talk about the dangers of a loss of smell. And you take these articles to your doctor along with your, your scratch and sniff test and the interpretive guide and say, look, I've got some type of brain, uh, it looks like brain inflammation. Can you do the test to identify brain inflammation? Let's see what's cooking in my brain right now. And if your doctors mm -hmm. don't know about this, we've got a whole education program for them. Or you, you can do the follow-up blood test with us if you want to, but I prefer you go to your doctors for it. But these are biomarkers that give you indicators, your brain's on fire. And if you get the biomarker that says, you know, your engine's hot right now, then you go check the engine. So then you do the blood test to check the brain to see, and it, the, the test is called the neural zoomer. There's 18 different markers of inflammation in the brain. And if any of those come back positive, you know your brain's on fire right now, killing off brain cells. So then you will look to see where's it coming from. Is it lead? Is it chlorine? Is it fluoride? Is it phthalates? Of where you, you do the work, working with the right doctor to investigate where's it coming from. You fix that problem, 
and then you go back in six months or a year and the inflammation's gone in the brain and you've stopped that brain degeneration process. But it requires a paradigm shift, Dr. Ken. There's no bottle of pills that you can take that's going to make a difference. We have mm. to learn, and that's why I say on, uh, the subtitle of the book on the cover is just one hour a week to the best memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. Mrs. Patient, take Tuesday nights after dinner, Sunday mornings, before church, whenever you want, but every week at that time, you're going to learn a little more about the toxicity of your home and your environment and how it's affecting you and your family. It, just an hour a week because it's so overwhelming. What I've said here today is so overwhelming for most people. I hope that I stimulate enough interest to just say, you know what, I, just, I think I'll look mm. into this a little bit more. This, and One hour a week. And so maybe one week it's, okay, these plastic containers, this makes sense. All right, I need glass containers. Where am I going to get glass containers? And I give you a couple of sites in the book, and you go to this site, and you look, at the, okay, I'm going to order four this size and three this size and two this size and one big bowl, and you order them. That took an hour. You're done for the week. Now for the rest of your life, your family's a little more protected because you aren't going to give them those minute exposures of phthalates from using saran wrap and using plastic Tupperware containers. And, but it took an hour. Next mm. week, you'll do something else. And the next week, you do something else. Remember that Nobel Prize when they said, with tenacity and a prepared mind, challenge prevailing dogma. So, you Tom, have to uh, challenge. Sorry, I, I agree uh, with you. You challenge the, the dogma and the process. But I want to ask one question. We only have three or four minutes left. And that was, uh, there are many people who have relatives who are dealing with dementia or some sort of that. Is that, can I reverse some of the conditions or at least stop it from progressing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was in 2014 that Dr. Dale Bredesen, uh, UCLA, he runs the Buck Institute, the Alzheimer's Research Center, he published a very technical article in the journal Aging demonstrating completely reversing cognitive decline and early to mid-Alzheimer's in nine out of ten people, completely reversing it. It took wow. five years, five years. And his analogy was, you know, you've got an old factory, the windows have been knocked out, there's uh, 36 holes in the roof and puddles on the floor and all of that. There's a bunch of gang graffiti inside on the walls. Just mm -hmm. imagine that. That's the brain of an Alzheimer's patient. You have to patch every hole in the roof in order to stop the leakage. Mm. And so there's 36 things on the checklist. And now here we're four years later, and there are hundreds and hundreds of doctors who have gone through his training programs and now are implementing the Bredesen Protocol in their practices to one degree or another. And we're seeing complete reversals of loss of cognitive decline. But you have to be thorough. You have to have a paradigm shift. It's not going to be a pill. Here's mm. an example of why. Two pharmaceutical companies that I know of have closed their Alzheimer's research departments, completely closed them, laid off the researchers because they've spent billions and they know they're never going to find a cure for Alzheimer's. There is no one cure for 36 holes. You have mm. to fix the 36 holes. And that's functional medicine. That's the world of functional medicine. So the answer, Dr. Ken, to your question is absolutely you can fix your brain. That's why the title of the book is what it is. You can fix your brain one hour a week to the best mm. memory, productivity, and sleep you've ever had. 
For your final comments, Dr. Tom, what would you encourage the audience? Because this can be, as you said, overwhelming. There can be all kinds of controversy. In many cases, they might even take this information to their doctor, and their doctor just actually throws, throws them under the bus and said, well, they're just a bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. What's your encouragement to those of us that are listening, the, to the SOS listeners? Read the book or listen to the audio tape. I did the audio tape, so there's some juice in the reading. You know, read, right. read the book, read the book, and read it at your pace. Don't try and absorb it all at once. And just think about what it says, and then look at the studies, or, uh, and there's, there's over 300. Look at the studies if you want, and just see if this makes sense. It is possible, and it's, uh, brain deterioration scares the heck out of us. Everything else we think we can deal with in life, but if you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or you're walking into rooms and forgetting why you walked in the room or uh, where are my keys or you're on the road and you say, now wait a minute, where, where am I going? And mm. Oh, I missed the turn. I mean, if those kinds of things are happening to you, you don't have to be terrified and bury your head in the sand. You just need to put a baby step forward, one step in front of another, just learn a little bit more, get rid of the Tupperware containers, the plastic wrap, you know, get, you, know you start doing the little things that accumulatively make mm -hmm. a big difference. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Dr. Tom, for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's a real pleasure. It's an honor to, to hang out with you, Dr. Ken. been following you for many years and very grateful for all the aha moments that you've brought to me in my life. So thank you for allowing me to share this world with your tribe. Oh, well, uh, it's much appreciated and you're welcome. And, you know, it's, uh, I just encourage everybody that's listening, you go to thedoctor.com, that is T-H-E-D-R.com, Get Tom's book, You Can Fix Your Brain. Re-listen to this podcast. And by the way, if you have people that you care for, share this podcast. There are so many of us around us is that our society actually can't function properly soon if we don't deal with this. I mean, there'll be so many people who will be incapacitated because they don't have the cognitive function anymore that Dr. Tom's book's going to help us to fix. You can fix your brain one baby step at a time. As always, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, share, pass it on, leave a positive comment somewhere on whatever platform you're listening. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.